Welcome everyone to uh, the second episode of the Life Huck podcast. Uh, we had a really great discussion uh, last week with uh, Sheikh Yafa, and we also have a guest with us today, a very, very special guest, um, somebody uh, really beloved to my heart. But before we do that, as always, we're going to start off with a little bit of a reminder and perhaps we can uh, make some introspection at the same time. And, uh, you know, last week we spoke about how there is a huge frenzy for people to buy things. Uh, you know, we talked about toilet paper. We talked about all sorts of different things that people are um, loading up on and stockpiling. And uh, a lot of what people are trying to do, even at home, they're trying to uh, watch movies or they're playing video games or they're going out and they're buying a whole bunch of stuff is try to distract themselves or try to give themselves something to do, which seemingly may be productive, that you are doing something, you aren't um, letting this situation, this pandemic overwhelm you. You're not letting this... Uh, lockdown uh, make you uh, in a state of despair. You're not going through so much anxiety and so forth. So this could be a reason why, right? This could be a reason why so many people are doing all these different activities and so forth. And there's a lot of YouTube videos coming out of how you can distract yourself at home, how you can work out, how you can do all sorts of different things. That is fine, you know, to for us to be able to engage in all sorts of different activities. If you need food, you need to get food. If you need supplies, you need to get supplies. But perhaps hoarding and stockpiling is not the best strategy, is not the best way to go about things. And also at the same token, uh, just obsessing over certain activities is also not the best way to do that or to make horrible uh, renditions of um, songs like Imagine. But... Uh, all of these different things, all of these different things that we are facing, we have to understand that at the end of the day, we it should not be a distraction. It should not be a distraction to think about or realize the reality of death. That every soul shall taste death. Every soul shall taste death. And only on the day of resurrection, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in this ayah in Surah Al-Imran, will you be paid your wages in full? And whoever ha has been removed from the fire has attained paradise. And it is he who is successful. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us something that I think we should appreciate at this moment in time. I think we should take a moment if, uh, right now to really understand what is the nature of this dunya because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say uh, and the life of this world is only enjoyment and deception it's a deception you know it's a distraction from the reality of death and people today are facing the reality of death uh, you know if you look at the tallies I think from last night uh, you're almost up to half a million people who officially have the infection, and it's probably much greater than that. And you have uh, over 20,000 people who have died due to the uh, pandemic. So at this moment, can we appreciate 
that this is an end. This is being put in our face. This is putting being put right in front of us, in front of our path, that we should appreciate that this is a reality for everyone. It's not just a reality, a conceptual reality of when you get older. It's a reality for everyone. And it's such a stark reality. What, what is it doing to the whole world? It's causing everybody because of fear of death. Fear of death, uh, it's locked down the entire world. It's closed borders down. It's made you, uh, you know, quarantined in your houses. It's caused businesses to shut down. Fear of death. So should we not then think about the reality of death? And is it not a time now to, uh, you know, think about our purpose in life instead of distracting ourselves from that reality? So out of fear of that reality, we just try to distract ourselves. Now let's go out on a buying spree. Let's go stockpile something out of fear of death as if a fortress of toilet paper would save you. So this world, we should appreciate, especially for us being in uh, richer, uh, Western developed, uh, quote unquote countries that, uh, this life is temporal and there is a lot of deficiencies in this world. There's a lot of deficiencies in this dunya and it's not worth it to put all your hopes and dreams and to think as if this is, uh, the end all and be all. This is the end all and be all. We've been far removed. People in the West are far removed from the realities many people in the world face today. Whether it is poverty, whether it is uh, economic and social injustice, uh, whether it is war and so forth. So there's a lot of uh, struggles that people face in different parts of the world. We are relatively sheltered. We are relatively sheltered. Uh, you know, um, I was joking with uh, some of the brothers. I'm, I was saying that now we're actually getting a break from people uh, complaining for the sake of complaining. You know, before people would find anything to complain about. Okay, uh, the that 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 uh, strange Peloton bike commercial. You find that to complain about. Like people are getting outraged over commercials. Okay, they're getting outraged over like the most minuscule things. And they're putting so much energy, writing posts and uh, making comments and getting active on social, all of these different things. Now, when something serious hits you, you see a whole silence because now you can prioritize. Now you're actually being hit with real life problems, real life situation. You get removed from those first world problems where you have all this time and energy to uh, you know, criticize everything and everyone. And now you're facing real life problems and real life issues. And when we do that, we have to understand the nature of this world. The nature of this world is as such that it is deficient. It is temporary. Anything that you love in this dunya will have an end. Anything that you love in this dunya will somehow become deficient for you. I want you to think about the most delicious uh, or favorite food that you have or fruit. Say what is the most delicious favorite fruit that you have? Whatever it is, whatever the most delicious, something that you love the most, something that you love the most, even if it's a person, there reaches a time where you become tired of it. There reaches a time that you become tired of it. Uh, you love 
eating mangoes. After two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight mangoes, man, I'm sick and tired of mangoes, even though it is your most favorite beloved fruit. You love somebody after one, two, three, four, five days, 24 hours spending the same time, maybe in lockdown. Okay, I need a break. You stay in that end of the house, I'm going to stay in this end of the house. We need a little bit of isolation, okay? Self-imposed uh, isolation from each other, okay? It doesn't matter how much you love something, uh, you grow tired of it or it will become deficient or it becomes old or uh, it, it, it rusts. Something happens to it uh, that shows that it has a deficiency. It is not something that can truly uh, satisfy you perpetually. It is not something that can satisfy you eternally because the life of this world is temporal. The life of this world is completely temporal. Uh, but, but the hereafter is better and everlasting. It's better in quality and quantity. Where you will never grow get tired. You have a fruit in Jannah. You take a bite out of it. Every single time you bite into that fruit in Jannah, it's a different and better taste. You know, the, the pleasures of the Akhirah is far different than this dunya. And this dunya doesn't seem to satisfy you no matter how much you accumulate. Our Rasul tells us in a hadith that uh, if the son of Adam was given a valley of gold, uh, he would not satisfy, be satisfied with it until he had another valley of gold. And he wouldn't be satisfied with it until he had another valley of gold. And the only thing that would satisfy uh, the son of Adam is when his mouth is filled with dirt until you are into your grave. So this situation, we have to find ourselves, there's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose. And it is not for us to uh, just now turn off. And We shouldn't go to the extreme where we go into despair and we, all we're thinking about uh, death and all, we think that we are going to die. But no, we should understand as Muslims the reality of death, the balanced way of looking at death. Not to ignore it, not to distract yourself from the dunya. But to actually think about it. And there's a purpose behind what we're going through. You know, for, for many people, they might say, oh, this virus came out of nowhere. It came randomly. Well, tell me, is the function of this virus random? It is a very specific purpose that this, even the way that this virus functions, it's in a very specific way. Or else they would not be researching and putting millions and possibly billions of dollars into finding a vaccine for this virus. If this virus acted continuously randomly, it would be foolish to try to find a vaccine for it because you would, con you would need a vaccine for every random uh, possibility of how this virus could, uh, could work. But this virus has a very specific purpose in how it functions. And this is why, based on the fact that scientists realize that there is a specific function and a specific way that this virus functions, it has a purpose, then we can find a vaccine which has a purpose to combat this virus. So now, don't you think that this virus was not created without a purpose? This, it was created with a purpose. It didn't just come. Don't think, oh, it just came randomly. And that's you could say that about any virus or any disease that is uh, afflicted uh, throughout the history of humanity. It's just because we couldn't predict it doesn't mean it came randomly. Just because we couldn't predict it does not mean it didn't come randomly. 
So you have to under, we have to appreciate that. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us in uh, Surah Al Imran, Ayah 191, those who remember Allah standing, sitting, and lying down on their sides, and think deeply about the creation of the heavens and the earth, saying, "Our Lord, you have not created all this without purpose. Glory to you. Give us salvation from the torment of the fire." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala did not create anything without a purpose. And this virus was created with a purpose. And even though that we may think that uh, it is causing all this destruction and havoc, we have to understand that our reaction to it should also have a purpose. Our reaction to it should also have a purpose. Now, um, I just wanted to give a few practical, uh, pragmatic tips on uh, how we can protect ourselves with the virus as well. I discussed this last time. It'll be a continuous series. I'll talk about different ways uh, about avoiding infections and avoiding strengthening immunity and so forth. And inshallah, we'll get some experts as well on the, in the field uh, to uh, comment. But uh, I wanted to mention something, okay, today. Uh, to inshallah, I, I haven't seen this mentioned too much uh, out there. So I wanted to try to highlight or focus uh, information perhaps that has not been uh, distributed so much on mass media and so forth, but it's something that perhaps uh, we can take advantage of. So we know that the primary way that we are trying to protect ourselves from this virus is through social distancing, okay? So uh, we are trying to, uh, you know, by not approaching other people, we are trying to protect ourselves from this virus. So the prevention, the, the whole idea of isolation, social distancing is prevention. Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us in the Quran, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا zina, Right. So do not approach zina. So وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا Corona. Right now, we are trying to avoid approaching Corona. Okay. The coronavirus. Both, by the way, the virus and the alcohol. Don't approach both of those things. Okay. So... This is the uh, basically the health of advice that we are being given. Don't approach, try to avoid the infection, okay, of this uh, coronavirus, right? Corona, okay? That's trademarked, by the way, because I know people are going to try to copy that. <laughs> but this is uh, official Dr. Sayyid advice. So how are you going to, uh, how do you prevent yourself? Well, we're talking about social isolation. Everybody knows about hand washing. And I mentioned previously that there was a study done that, you know, washing uh, your hands five times a day reduces respiratory infections by 45%. Muslims, we do wudu five times a day. And the first step is washing hands. So, Already inherently, if we're practicing Islam, there's a lot of ways that we're protecting ourselves uh, from this virus. And so what we're trying to do with these viral infections is to uh, even prevent the point where our immune system has to deal with it. So when you're going out, yes, you're washing your hands, uh, you're coming and you're watching which the surfaces that you're touching. And you should be careful as well. So uh, remember that that virus even though uh, it can travel within the air, the uh, more readily way that it, it is distributed or that people can get infected is, you know, through droplets, right? Through saliva, uh, through some type of liquid me medium. This is uh, the more um, readily uh, uh, likely way that you would be infected by that virus. Uh, 
Now, there are certain surfaces that uh, are, allow that virus to last longer, okay? So smoother surfaces like metal uh, and plastic, the virus will uh, can last up to three days, okay? So smoother surfaces, so door handles, uh, you know, plastic, like, you know, the, the handles of the plastic carts, those surfaces, the virus will last longer. So you have to be especially careful of those uh, surfaces. Uh, things that are more uh, porous, like clothing and cardboard, the virus, about 24 hours. Viruses, generally speaking, 24 hours, okay? So remember, these are general uh, timelines, okay? Uh, inside the house, the viruses, they can last longer. So if it doesn't get exposed to UV light. So outside, the viruses, they will get killed naturally uh, faster due to UV light. So for example... A lot of um, health facilities, they or even spas and so forth that do sterilization. If you have UV sterilization, that also helps uh, to kill bacteria and, and viruses. Okay, so that can also be utilized to help uh, in terms of cleaning the surfaces. Besides, obviously, washing your hands and when you get home, washing your face. Okay, so washing your hands and washing your face is a very good idea. Uh, you know, changing your clothes and and putting them in the wash right away, making sure they get washed. So thinking about all the different surfaces that could touch viruses and making sure you're taking the proper steps to wash it. Okay, now I'm going to give you a very simple and effective way of trying to uh, prevent the viral attachment on your mucosal surfaces, okay? So your upper respira respiratory tract because the virus, what it tries to do is through adsorption attached to uh, your uh, mucosa, your lining of your sinuses, uh, your throat and so forth. So there's a few uh, things that I'm gonna give you and you can look up the studies. There's actually a lot of studies uh, that show the efficacy of what I'm about to tell you. Some of the things that are very, very simple uh, very easy to do uh, for everyone, uh, not, it's, uh, not very expensive at all. So sodium chloride uh, is essentially um, salt, okay, or the, you know, seawater. If you irrigate your nose, so this is very uh, common to get uh, at the drugstore or the supermarket. So if you irrigate your nose, so sometimes you've seen it like a that little pot or the, the, the nasal spray, if you regularly do that, that will actually uh, reduce the ability for uh, the viruses to attach uh, to your mucosa. So it's shown to break down um, bacteria and parts of the virus and to, you know, flush out, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, buildup of mucus and so forth within your nasal passages. So if you do that on a regular basis, so you say you come home. Uh, you irrigate uh, your 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 nose and so forth uh, with that, then it can help you know prevent that attachment, that viral attachment. That's one of the things that you're trying to uh, prevent. And it's very, very common to get at the drugstores. Actually, there was studies, there was an article done on CTV News where it showed that they're trying to put like this coating of sodium chloride on masks. So because what it does is it it, it actually breaks down the viruses. It actually breaks down viruses and allows those masks and so forth to be more uh, effective by putting that sodium chloride co coating on it. The other very basic thing that you can do is sodium bicarbonate. So sodium bicarbonate is baking soda. Baking soda is another 
very readily available household item that you can get access to. And by gargling with sodium bicarbonate, baking soda, and actually you can get both. You can get mouth rinses that have both sodium chloride and sodium bicarbonate. So if you rinse with that regularly in your throat, because this is where usually people, the first symptoms that people will get is th uh, throat infection and so forth. And the other one that people are saying is that they get a loss of taste of uh, of their taste and uh, and sense of smell. So again, this is the these are the two main entry points that you're trying to stop here, right? Is on your nose and uh, the attachment in your throat and, and mouth area. So if you regularly rinse your mouth out with that, with sodium bicarbonate, and there's studies to show that as well. Another factor and component of it is that a more basic environment that's created by the sodium bicarbonate also helps to counteract uh, the friendly or the environment that is more conducive for viral repl replication. So viral replication, bacterial replication is better in a, a lower pH environment. So, so sodium bicarbonate also, uh, you know, um, makes it a more basic environment. Okay. So those are very two very simple things. You can just get the ingredients. So all you got to do is you can put literally um, a, uh, you, you know, a tablespoon of uh, uh, baking soda, a tablespoon of, um, you know, sea salt, uh, warm water, mix it up and you can rinse with that. Uh, if you try to do flush that in your nose, sometimes it can sting a little bit. So there is formulations that you can get from the drugstore that have sodium chloride in it that uh, it doesn't sting your nose and your nasal passages so much. So it's actually a very good way of pr protecting yourself from that viral attachment. Also, uh, if you're able, there are mouthwashes that you can get, uh, that, like I said before, that has uh, both of those components in it. And it also has xylitol, which is shown to be antibacterial as well. Okay, So these are all ways to prevent that absorption. There's also uh, studies that show betadine gargle. So this is with iodine in it, uh, is also has an antiviral effect. So uh, I was given this information by uh, one of my colleagues who's an optometrist who says that they use these drops for viral infections in the eyes. And there's studies to show that these gargles and rinses are uh, also effective against viruses. They're not as readily available. Uh, the studies aren't, I would say, as established uh, as uh, the sodium chloride and the sodium bicarbonate, but it's something that you can look up as well. There's studies that show that there is an efficacy in regards to that. But the whole idea is that you want to prevent the attachment of these viruses onto your uh, mucosa. So. Again, the surfaces of where it could transmit to, the people that you can get it transmitted through, the name of the game is prevention. The name of the game is do not approach. All right, so a few tips, a little bit of nasiha, and now I would like to welcome my guest, our uh, beloved Sheikh, Dr. Rida Badir. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Dr. Sayyid. Thank you so much for inviting me. So it's good to see you. Uh, and uh, are you on lockdown as well? Or are you uh, part of um, the rebels that are, you know, saying, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to go out wherever I want. And uh, we're gonna have a party, and uh, <laughs> we're not gonna we're gonna throw all caution to the wind. So, are you on lockdown? Are you are you in isolation right now, Sheikh? 
Of course I am, and, and this is the way it should be, because uh, subhanAllah, you know, our beautiful religion, as you started um, by introducing the fact that um, we have to understand that this is, there is a purpose behind this uh, coronavirus. It's, it's, a, it's a wake-up call for us, and, and, and Muslims always respond in a, in a very wise way, because You'll be amazed to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, many times in the Quran, he would say, أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ أَفَلَا يَتَفَكَّرُونَ أَفَلَا تَتَدَبَّرُونَ Challenging the mind to think, you know, like, as, as you mentioned, subhanAllah, beautiful, you know, um, ayah 191 in Surah Al-Imran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقَتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا You know, like, you know, our master, you have not created anything without a purpose. For a purpose. And, and subhanAllah, as you mentioned earlier, uh, when we get indulged in this worthy life and we get so busy, you know, asking for more and more and more, and, and then we forget the purpose for our, even our, our own creation. So, like, something comes to say, wake up. You're here for a purpose, and this is why I'm sending you a wake-up call also on purpose. So in response, like, we shouldn't be rebellious. We should be wise. And alhamdulillah, the beauty of this religion, again, is that you'll always find, um, like, a, a guidance to every aspect of life. Allah subhanahu said, مَا فَرَّطُنَا فِي الْكِتَابِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ We have never left anything except we have offered you guidance. One day, like a, like a funny story, somebody came and knocked on my door. And then she introduced herself. She said, like, uh, I represent Amnesty International and I'm inviting you to be a member with us. I said, um, okay, I will accept on one condition. If you tell me who is the founder of Amnesty International. And she was so embarrassed. She's like, ah, uh, I am not sure. I said, shame on you. You're coming to ask me to join, you know, like an organization that you represent and you don't know the founder. And she said, like, I can look it up. I said, it's too late. I will tell you the answer. And uh, I said, once you give me the answer, so... Sorry, once I give you the answer, you have to make a donation. Because that was like I was in an Islamic center at that time. Okay. So you I told said, her you were the founder, right? <laughs> no. It's like, I'm the one founder. You have found me. You have passed your test. <laughs> no, I told her like more than 14 centuries ago, there was a man who was forced out of his land. And when he was leaving, because he was persecuted and oppressed by his own people, he was crying. And he pointed at Mecca and he said, by God, you're the most beloved piece of land on earth to my heart. And if it were not for your people forcing me out, I would never leave you. Yet eight years later, he came back and he was victorious. And those people who forced him out, those people who oppressed him and his followers, they were scared to death. And he told them to come. And when they stood in front of him, he said to them the famous question, what do you think I'm going to do with you? And because they know his history, they know who he is, 
He said, Akhun Karim, Wabnu Akhun Karim. You're a noble brother, and you're the son of a noble brother. So what did he say? Right there and then, he founded Amnesty International. He said, go, you're free. Even though they were expecting him to do the same to them, if not to kill them, because now he's in power. So basically, the reason I, I shared this story is because sometimes people come to invite you to do something and they don't know that we as Muslims and our book and our faith teaches us to be reasonable and to be wise and to be merciful too. So part of that mercy when the Prophet uh, um, excused the people who persecuted him and oppressed him. Likewise, when we are afflicted with a virus like this, we should only uh, focus on one thing, protecting ourselves and protecting also the larger community that we live in. It's not the culture of individualism, I, me, myself. No, I need to protect myself, my family, my community. And when I say my community, I don't mean the Muslim community. I'm, I'm saying humanity at large. So if, if you as somebody who's, mashallah, like working in the medical field, and at the same time, mashallah, list you with knowledge and you're practicing dawah, once the people who are specialized according to the Quran, when Allah said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الدِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Amazingly enough, the word al-dhikr, you know, it, it, it means the reminder. But in this specific ayah, the scholars of Syria said, no, it doesn't mean the reminder, which is one of the names of the Quran. It means ahl al-ikhtisas, specialized people, as we say in, in the medical field, like specialists. So when you go to the family doctor and, and there is no way he can treat you then, he would say, I'll send you to the specialist. Yes. So here, like, you know, I'm not going to give a fatwa about Corona but I will go to the people in the field of studying viruses. And if they tell me, isolate yourself, I'm not gonna be rebellious. I'm not gonna say, I have faith in Allah. Come on, where's your faith? Man, you should trust Allah. We're gonna do takbir and tasbih. We're gonna so kill the virus. an example of that from the Sirah B. Sheikh, uh, there was an incident where um, the, uh, one of the companions had a head wound after one of the battles, and uh, the um, and he had a wet dream, and they insisted that he may ghusl, and uh, you know he did it with the cold water, and then he ended up dying because of that. And then when this incident was related to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said that the cure for ignorance is asking. Like, did not anybody, you know, you should have asked someone with knowledge, and not just you know people give the answer that okay, no, you have to go and do ghusl. And this caused this man to die, and Rasul reprimanded, um, you know, the Sahaba for that incident. You know, not to just give uh, an answer without knowledge, right? That's true, Subhanallah. And I'm gonna uh, take the copyright from Dr. Said. I'm gonna say, "Wala taqrabu Corona," like don't come close to Corona. Yeah. So if I'm gonna be rebellious, I'm gonna go out as if I'm saying, you know what? I'm gonna challenge those who give me advice to protect myself and protect my people and 
you know, like I totally agree with what you said. That's true. Could you could you look at it in a sense like okay, I I understand that um, you know people are trying to practice their deen, and that's praiseworthy. I think we should never um, undermine or undercut or not appreciate that passion that people have to practice their deen. You know, correct? Like the people have a, a really big passion to do it. They 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 they'll go out for jum'ah they're going to sacrifice time they're going to go to the masajid uh they're going to have their haraqat their gatherings so i think we sh- the way to i think reach people is to appreciate and understand you're trying to worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but i think the problem becomes is when you become narrow minded in what you uh know is worship the concept of ibadah so actually worship can be if you're uh you have the niya, you would go to the masjid. Uh, we were discussing this last week with uh, with Sheikh Yaba. You can still get the reward for that, and you can get an additional reward because you're protecting people. You're trying to do this for protection for people and so forth, right? That's true, of course. And 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 Subhanallah, like the the, the fact that uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when there is like a storm of rain or like it's extremely cold, what would he recommend his companions? He would say, "Sallu fi rihalikum, pray at home." Yeah. Now I'm just asking a question. Just is it more dangerous to be in an environment or like under certain like weather conditions when it's cold, or to be infected with a virus that might kill you? Just like by analogy, like think about this. And now, subhanAllah, we're doing the same thing. We replaced Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala al-falah. Come to pray to the masjid, come for success. Sallu fi rihalikum, pray at home. So, you know, isn't it interesting, Sheikh, how people are drawn always in different situations to extremes? I, I see one extreme, people are saying, this is nothing. This is just like the flu. You know, people are overreacting. Uh, this is, you know, hurting the economy. You know, all these different, like, just belittling the threat of this virus. And then on the other hand, people are so scared as if, you know, if somebody who has the virus looks at you, you can die. Or, like, if somebody, people are on such a heightened level of of uh, of anxiety, Sheikh, you cannot cough or sneeze in public. You cannot do that. You know, if, if you're going to, you need to have a seizure, to cover up that, you know, you got to pretend you're having a seizure. If you're coughing, you just got to like mask it with a seizure. It's like, and people are like, oh, okay, he's having a seizure. Okay. Huh. You know, but, but you cannot, you cannot cough. You cannot sneeze in, in, in public. Like people are on edge. So like, so you have that extreme where people, if you cough in front of someone, they think maybe they have died. They're going to die now. They're, they're the next person who's going to die. And then you have the other extreme where people are saying, oh, this is nothing. Um, I think Islam is one of the most beautiful, uh, you know, in, in terms of the Islamic mindset, the Iman-based thinking, is it balances you. We shouldn't fear it because we fear Allah, you know, to that extent that we're, you know, fearing someone that that uh, that we should leave that fear only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at the same time, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 195, is not to throw yourself into destruction. You know what I mean? It's, we're not going to belittle it. We're going to understand it. Ask those who know. Ask the people who are experts. And this is a legitimate uh, 
pandemic. This is a legitimate worldwide concern. You do have people dying. Yes, it's a, a lot of elderly people, but there is also young people who are dying as well. Uh, which they're having trouble explaining that why there's there's so many young people who are dying. There are people who, um, you know, the Prince Charles just got infected with with that, you know, and so uh, like I'm sure I'm sure he has access to like crazy amount of like technology and stuff. Like these rich people have, you know, they're probably getting crazy blood transfusions and all this cocktails of uh, medicine and stuff like that, but. It's, it's not differentiating amongst people. And, and there are different types of people who are dying. And then even if you think, hey, I'm not, I'm healthy. I can get through this. It's just like the flu. You can be a carrier and kill somebody else. You know, so even that rhetoric of like, oh, it's just a flu. Listen, maybe to you, it might just be the flu, but it could kill so many other people. It could harm so many other people. You know, look what's happening. They're saying in Italy, uh, the entire generation of people like all their elderly people, all their grandparents, an entire generation is being wiped out, a whole generation. So, you know, people are are, are, are are going in those extremes. And because of that, you're seeing it's leaving no place untouched. So now the United States uh, has taken after China. Actually, I think, I don't know if they've overtaken China. Uh, if somebody can give me the latest stats on that, they've definitely overtaken Italy. So United States number of diagnosed infections, so not the deaths, but the number of diagnosed infections. I think I was just sent the statistic. Uh, let me just look this up here. They've uh, taken over definitely Italy. So yes, let's look at this. Yes, they've overtaken China. So they're now number one. Okay, so they got there. They got there. They got to that number one status. But it's not a good number one, right? Because we're talking about... Uh, over 82,000 cases and over 1,100 deaths. This is the statistic, the statistic I received uh, today, okay? Uh, so China is like now second to them, you know? So people, when they go to these extremes, like, okay, it's nothing, worry about the economy, or you go to the other extreme where you're going to be so fearful that you're afraid of everything that moves or if a person has a cough or a sniffle, um, you're you're going in the wrong direction. They're both, I think, you're not going to be dealing with this issue in the proper way. And that's why in these circumstances, uh, I feel it's, it's such a blessing to have that Iman-based thinking or exposed to Iman-based thinking. So we understand we take things in a balanced way, that we don't just uh, neglect it and, 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 and at the same time are, are so fearful of it. So people are, we should take that into consideration, you know, uh, if, if people are saying that we should... Uh, Take certain precautions because if if you are worshiping Allah, that is part of worshiping Allah, right? Is to uh, prevent harm, right? Is uh, the hadith of Rasul a Muslim is not somebody that harms others, you know what I mean? So it prevents yourself from being a harm to to, to other people. So these are all I think um, ways that we understand our deen better. You know, it's like that deeper understanding of that deen. Uh, what, do you, what do you what do you think, Shay? Um I'll just add something like when you said people like on, on, on one side of the extreme when they when they like hear somebody sneezing they're gonna be scared. Like I would I would say like imagine somebody was coming on board of a plane at the beginning of this uh, coronavirus and he's a Muslim and after sneezing he said Alhamdulillah. Imagine a combination yeah. of sneezing followed yeah. by Alhamdulillah. So like th yeah. this is like they're scared from sneezing. And the guy is saying, Alhamdulillah, he's saying Allahu Akbar, you know. 
yeah, so yeah. basically going back, uh, as you mentioned, like, you know, when, when, when people assume either extreme, this is not healthy because, again, the beauty of the Quran, which is the last uh, system in giving guidance to people, you would be amazed at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was no numbering of the verses. And, mm. and, and if you check Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah number 2, which is 286 ayahs or verses, if you divide this by 2, you will get 143. And if, if our viewers now just open the Quran, chapter 2 or Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 143, right exactly in the middle of the surah. What does Allah say? وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا And thus we have made you an ummah, a nation, wasata in the middle. When others would assume either extreme, you're always assuming moderation. And that's yes. the beauty of this. So if I would say, um, I'm going to be too scared, this is too much. That's going to create like a phobia and people, you know, might die out of concern and depression and, and all the stress that comes yeah, with it. Yeah, you get stressed out, that, that affects your immune system. Exactly. You know, stress actually impairs your immune system. Exactly. So being able to calm yourself, breathe, uh, is one of the first things that you should do, you know. I, I, and the other extreme, when people like, you know, they say, you know what, like, you know, we have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't worry, the Prophet some people even came to me like, you know, why didn't the Prophet stop the jama'ah during the battle? And I said, hold on here, hold on. Which comes first, the battle or the prayer? Are you telling me the Prophet used to go to the battle and told until the enemy, hey, wait, we're gonna start the jama'ah and please kill us, inshallah. You should even know what you're talking about because yeah. they're going to the battle to start with, and then when the time for salah comes, do you think that the Prophet he's gonna say, Okay, hold on, let's just like start the jama'ah so that you can kill us all at one time? No. Yeah. We'll be fighting in the front, others will be doing the salah at the back. So what's that again? It's precautions. So if yeah. we can stop the salah in the masjid because of rain or cold, can we stop it because of an infection that could lead to death? And as you mentioned, in fiqh we have a rule in sharia that says dar al-mafsada muqaddam ala jalb al-maslaha. Like avoiding harm takes preference over bringing about benefit. So are we telling you stop praying? No, we're saying pray at home. And as you said, like last time, like I was watching you and, and Sheikh Yafa, like, you know, like the, the scholar said this hadith constitutes Two-thirds of the religion, your intention is to pray. And subhanAllah, something came out of your hand that stops you from praying in the mosque. Imagine if I say, you know, there, there are like some snakes and, and lions in front of the masjid. Please come and say, I trust Allah, I'm going to go and pray. It exactly reminds me we were in Hajj in 1996. And you will be amazed there was a fire that broke you know, out like in Mina. And you know, Mina, like we're just like living in tents. Imagine if a, if a fire breaks, you know, out there, what's going to happen to the tents? Yeah. And you go like somebody out of those, like again, extreme people, he's holding the mic, telling people, hey, stay in your tents, read Surah Yaseen, and inshallah, Allah will protect you. Oh I said, this is that's nonsense. That's scary. Yeah, exactly. that's scary. 
This is yeah. not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I just went and took the mic. I said, like, like listen, people in the Jeff, sense, one of my favorite things is when you take the mic. I just, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's I, I, I actually like it when you take it because <laughs> we have some incidences where you've had to take the mic. So, exactly. so yeah. I mean, what happens? Sometimes you, know, you got to take that mic. You have to. What's up. You, you have to see the hop. Yeah. yeah. So I told them, like, listen, like brothers, the brothers, like right in the tents next to you, they read Surah Yasin, they read Surah Rahman, they read Surah Al Baqarah, they read the entire Quran, and they stayed in their tents and they got burned. Use your mind, like think, you know, who's, who's the first one to run in front of us? That person who's supposed to have knowledge and he was guiding the people. Oh, he did it. He pulled the George Costanza. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there has to be a minute where like you have to draw the line and say, hey, like, you know, yeah. just act wisely. And again, there is an ayah that I'm going to share with you now, and I'm going to give you the floor to make comments. That sets that balance, like between the two extremes. We don't extremely say, you know what? I believe in Allah, like that Bedouin who came in front of the masjid and he left his camel. He said, like, you know, yeah, Allah, I put my trust in you. And the Prophet said, no, tie your camel, then put your trust in Allah. So what we're saying here, we don't say, you know, don't pray, no, but tie your camel, protect yourself. And now, Akhi, one of the five objectives of Sharia is to, is to what? Is to save life. Yes. Right? Preserve it comes before preserving the deen. Because if you are dead, who's going to establish the deen? So yes. save your life and pray at home. Or come to the masjid, get infected and die. So which yeah. one are you going to take? So the ayah that I wanted to share with you, which maintains that balance, is ayah number 51 in Surah At-Tawbah, Surah number 9. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O Muhammad, say to them, illa except Whatever Allah has decreed for us. Why? He's our protector. Like subhanAllah, Allah is not going to bring you to this life and say, go and pray because I want to kill you with a virus. No. You, you always, like you, you, like you already mentioned the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah. Do not kill yourselves. Do not destroy yourselves. Allah is indeed exceedingly merciful when it comes to you. Look at the ending of the ayah. And upon Allah, let the believers put their trust. But before that, you should rest assured that nothing, nothing will happen to you except whatever Allah has decreed for you. That puts your heart in peace. So what are some of the behaviors that you have observed in your community? Like how are people reacting to this situation? I, I'm a... I would say um, a lifelong student of human behavior. I really like to observe people in different situations and circumstances uh, because it gives you an idea about human nature, where we are as a people, whether it's just society in general, and then sometimes you can observe your own Muslim community. But what's some of the behavior that you have seen in your community? Like how are people, do you feel on the streets, in general, Muslim community or just general on the streets? Uh, you know, how are people in Saskatchewan behaving and reacting to the situation? Dr. Said, Alhamdulillah, I mean, at the very beginning, as you just mentioned, when people are like, because they are passionate about their deen, 
they, they found it very difficult. And, and subhanAllah, we are, we are part of our community. Like, do you think I'm happy to be sitting now, like, and I'm, and like, I'm broadcasting now from the masjid, and I'm the only one in the masjid right now? It, it, it breaks yeah. my heart. Well, so, inshallah, you're surrounded by angels. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So, like, at the very beginning, it was very hard for me to take the decision, uh, you know, to shut down the masjid and, and, and protect the people from this. Some people, you know, like, they were very emotional and they were very passionate. and said, like, you know, what do you mean? We're not going to pray Jum'ah in the masjid? I said, not only Jum'ah. There's no Jum'ah, there's no congregational prayers. I was like, oh, you must be crazy. How come? You know, how would you prevent the house of Allah and this and that? It's like, it's not me. Yeah. And subhanAllah, gradually, people who were against this, they gradually came back. And subhanAllah, two days after I, I, I you know, I, I took this decision and we implemented it in our center, you know, like they started announcing the emergency, like, you know, like in, in like they started like announcing emergency in, 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 in the in the province and then all the rest of the community they came down one by one and they said, you know what? I think that was wise and we should follow this. And and, and alhamdulillah, I mean I was yesterday, uh, I even shared that um, like a uh, little reminder with the people. I I was called by my doctor and and I was supposed to go for the lab to do some blood work. And, and like, I don't want people who are watching me now to get scared. It's not, it's not Corona like related, inshallah, don't worry. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so I took advantage of the time while I was outside and while I was snowing, I said, you know what? Let me just like, uh, since Allah has given me the chance to go out, let me just make a little reminder. And, and believe me, Dr. Said, it broke my heart when I looked at the main streets and the highways, they're like almost empty. And I looked at the houses, and the houses, like, you know, they're, like, there's nobody. Like, you can hear nothing. And subhanAllah, I remembered what the Prophet ﷺ said when he said, You know, pray at some times at home, and don't, you know, like, use your houses as if they are graves. You just go there and sleep. Yes. And of course, like, this is not an invitation for people, subhanAllah, to pray like the fard, like the obligatory prayers at home. But like, you know, the Prophet meant like the sunnah and the nawafid and stuff. And that's what the Prophet used to do. He would pray sunnah in his room and then he'll come at the time of iqamah to do the fard. And, and subhanAllah, I said to myself, look at the, the houses, they look like graves. And what are the people doing inside now? If Allah subhanahu wa has blessed them with iman, they should be praying with their families now. And wallahi, they will get the exact same reward as if they're praying in jama'ah because the Prophet ﷺ told us if you're a traveler or if you're sick and like you don't have the luxury to do everything that you used to do when you were healthy and you were a resident, you get the same exact reward. Yes. Nothing will diminish out of your, of your life. So alhamdulillah, I mean, I mean, like it's normal. This is human, like human nature, as you mentioned earlier. People will become passionate at the beginning, but alhamdulillah, they're acting wisely now and they're gradually... What about like generally, besides this issue, generally speaking, like how, have you seen any changes in, in, in people's behavior and how people have conducted themselves? Al alhamdulillah, I mean, at the very beginning, as you mentioned also in the in the previous episode, people were like, subhanAllah, they thought this is the end of life, this is Yawm Al-Qiyamah, it's coming close, so everybody yeah. rushed 
superstores and to the Walmart, and they were like, you know, hoarding like everything you might think of. Subhanallah, as if this is the end of life. You know, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. starve. And but gradually, people started realizing that you know what? Yeah, I should live and let live. I should, you know, like think about others. And like, alhamdulillah, we're we're sending reminders every day, and we're holding, alhamdulillah, online. We're taking advantage of, you know, like the social media. Reminding people uh, like of times like this, you know, like of the precious pearls of the, the sayings of the Prophet ﷺ and his practical life. Like, you know, You will never attain full iman until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. So, yes. you know, think about others. Like, you know, and also, mashallah, we were like having an online meeting and we're like developing some ideas of how can we help the, the people who lost their jobs? How can we help the people who are elderly and they can go and do shopping? How can we offer them a hand? How can we take care of our neighbors, regardless of their faith, their color, their ethnicity? So I, I am seeing a lot of, uh, you know, those initiatives coming out, you know, people saying, okay, how can we help the situation or positively contrib contribute to this? One thing, though, I have noticed, Sheikh, uh, some of it you know, Allahu Alam, what's in the hearts of people, some of it doesn't seem authentic. It doesn't seem sincere. The way some people, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's there's definitely people who are trying to grow maybe their social media presence or their online following. Like, I saw on a news um, uh, segment how these one people are like, oh, they're, they're in the middle of, like, this busy intersection and they have a table set up with like toilet paper and sanitizer and they're like for elderly only free for elderly i'm like okay first of all how are elderly people going to come to this thing to get it i, f I felt like it was for show like because they were trying to like you know it's like people are trying to i think show hey i i care about you look i'm gonna show how you can uh, effectively spend your time at home I think a part of it, people are taking advantage of the situation. Like they're trying to buy their acts of kindness and care. It's not like, you know, for for, for, for us, we should also be careful because we want to do it for the sake of Allah SWT, right? That's where we get the reward. If we do it solely for the sake of Allah SWT. But I feel that there is a segment of people where it's kind of like, man, it just, it doesn't seem like there's a little bitter taste in your mouth. It doesn't seem very authentic. This is... You know, you, you when you taste something, it's like mm, this. This is not the real thing. This is artificial flavoring. You know what I mean? That's some of this acts of kindness and so forth. It does seem like that. Like it, they're they're just trying to like that one. Um, I I made reference to it at the beginning of the podcast. A whole bunch of celebrities thought they could help humanity by singing Imagine together. Okay, so it's this. Uh, song they all sing one line okay and it just looks so fake and insincere and not helpful at all to the people you know what i mean like you know you just at the end of this like okay why like you're just trying to promote yourself like what do you expect people to be like oh wow that now totally uh makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside and uh now that i'm unemployed i'm not even thinking about that anymore you know what i mean so there is that also i would i want to put that out there like there are people maybe and it could be muslims too muslims and non-muslims where you know these 
acts of kindness may not be so uh, so sincere. You know what I mean? What do you think? What, what, do you do you do you get that too? Do you get that sense? I think uh, it's a it's a good perspective, and also like while you're talking, subhanAllah, I'm thinking yeah. about the fact that you know the scholar said we were able to overcome so many things in our life when it comes to our challenges in this dunya, except the niyyah, the intention. Because it just flips like within a second. Yeah. yeah. Why it has to be under the check all the time. It's like that question, Sheikh, or that philosophical scenario. If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, did it make any sound, right? So if you did an act of kindness and you didn't record it, did it exist? You know what I mean? If it wasn't on Facebook or Instagram, did that actually happen? If it wasn't hashtagged, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, unfortunately, that's what it is now, right? Like, it's like I, you get a selfie stick. Hey, I'm just I'm just trying to be a good, uh, you know, just be a good neighbor. Um, there's some old people that live next door to me, and I'm just going to take them some toilet paper. And uh, I'm such a great person, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, you see that now. You see a lot. Like, everything has to be recorded, you know? What about, you know, for us, of course, we have guidance, like, give so secretly with your right hand that your left hand doesn't know, right, Sheikh? Yeah, yeah. SubhanAllah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a reminder when we watch people who are acting like this, whether they're Muslims or non Muslims, that it's, uh, it's very, very risky and dangerous if we don't keep our intention in check all the time because you know the famous hadith that everybody knows about the three people who will be you know thrown in hellfire at the very outset yeah. of the day of judgment like subhanallah imagine like a martyr who is fighting in the front line and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to bring him in front of everyone and he's going to say I have you fought for my sake and he's going to say yes Allah's going to say no you're lying you thought that people would say he's brave, and people said it, and I don't accept a partner in my intention. In your intention, same thing. A scholar who has been spreading knowledge, and again he's going to give the same answer. Yes, I did this for your sake. Allah's going to say no, because it's only Allah who knows the secrets of the heart. Allah's going to say you did this for people will be pointing at you and say he's such a scholar. Third one, a very wealthy person who used to spend on all charitable causes. And Allah is going to say, have you done this to please me? He says, yes, Allah is going to say, no. You did this so people will say you're generous. And people said it. So it's very important to check. Like, you know, when I do something, am I waiting for people to thank me? Am I waiting for people to, to praise me? And yeah. so sometimes, like, we as humans, like, sometimes you feel it. Like, you know, you, you see somebody, like, carrying heavy bags or, like, you know, they're, like, doing something and you rush and then, like, you know, you help them. And then you walk away and because they were very tired, like, you know, or like they were like distracted in something and they don't say thank you. So somebody is like, no, astaghfirullah, they didn't even say thank you. So when you did it, are you, are you just waiting for the thank you? Yes, I know the Prophet said, you know, whoever is not thankful to people, he's not showing gratitude to Allah. But as Muslim, I have always to check my intention. And that's the reason, you know, like you, you are reminding us now to learn, which is check your intention. When you change a behavior in under these circumstances now, and you try to be contributing to your community by helping and giving a hand, remember that you do this only for the sake of Allah. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you're almost selling this brand of 
of kindness or you know these good works to show it you know and it's just hollow because and I, and, and subhanallah i think it goes to uh the fact that um i guess a lot of i i believe a lot of depth to that hadith of Rasulullah where he said your good deeds alone won't take you into Jannah. Yeah. You know, because who gave you the ability to do those good deeds? You know what I mean? Like Allah gave you those ability to do those good deeds. And so you, you by thinking you're such a good person. Well, it's Allah that gave you those that ability to, to do that. Right. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that uh, gave you that ability to give sadaqah. It's Allah that gave you that ability to help somebody with your maybe your physical strength. Or to say a good word, or whatever it may be, right? It was Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He maybe gave you some knowledge that you can medically help somebody, you know. So it was Allah. So when people, I think, we should appreciate that just because uh, you do something good, uh, one act of goodness doesn't necessarily mean that that person is a good person, right? Like I think people should appreciate that. That if you have somebody who, like, for example. Um, uh, recently, uh, that UFC fighter Conor McGregor, uh, he gave one million dollars to, uh, I think, like um, provide medical supplies and stuff like that, you know. And so, obviously, his fans are celebrating. And look at how such a nice person he is, you know, by giving this this amount of money. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean, and I'm not passing judgment that this guy's a good guy or a bad guy, but his character speaks for itself. Like if you go punch out an old man. If you insult people's religion, if, um, you know, you're accused of like uh, assault and battery and rape and all of these other things, does that mean by doing these acts of good, you're a good person? You know, even tyrants, they do good things. You know, they they provide medicine. Tyrants, dictators, you know, these huge killers, they can do a lot of good things for people, you know. But does that mean that they're a good person? You know, uh, I, I think that that. A lot of times, I think people they don't appreciate what being a good person is, you know, and that's why you can't just, you know, I think that that hadith is so deep, Sheikh, that your good deeds alone won't get you into Jannah, into that's paradise. Nice. And and Aisha even said, you even you, Ya Rasulullah, even me, unless Allah envelopes me in His mercy and forgiveness. That's, that's true. Because man. the ability to do those good deeds, and you may show to the people. You're so good. How many people do we see behind the scenes? They see, we see their personal life in front of people. There were celebrities, there were stars, they were idolized. And then behind the scenes, they are extremely brutal to their children and to their wife or to their spouse, whatever, you know, uh, or uh, say you're good to a hundred people and you oppress and kill one person or you, uh, you know, you, you're unjust to that one person. Okay. Th does that mean you're a good person? You know, and so I think people, they're very easily give that label to people. Oh, you're a good person because of looking at some surface good deeds that they have done or things that they have benefited from. So, for example, if I'm a leader of a nation and I'm good to my nation, but I'm brutal to other nations. Am I a good person? Sheikh? No, you, you understand what I'm saying? It's like not you got to be. You got to be based on core values, your core character, your core principles. Maybe then if a person lives by a principle, if you see their entire life that they have lived by certain values and principles, maybe you can say, yes, this person lived as a good person. But at the end of the day, all knowledge is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
you know. But yeah. I, I think people need to appreciate that, that just by seeing these superficial acts of goodness, because I think a lot of people's social media, man, especially uh, some of our younger generation, they get easily bedazzled, bamboozled by some people who think, hey, oh, a few good things, and they've recorded it. You know, just so happens that a camera caught you at that right moment, getting that, you know, teary-eyed person, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then and then you turn to the camera and you're like, I just, it's just worth it when I see the smile on this homeless person's face and, uh, you know, I gave them a pack of toilet paper. It's like, man, I need a, I need a house to live in. I don't need this toilet paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, go away, go away, go away. You know, it just warms my heart. But I just do what I can do. I just I just do what I do for them. You know what I mean? Sheikh, like, <laughs> they're, they're, it's just commoditized like this, you know, these acts of uh, kindness, so to speak, you know? I agree with you. And this this explains the difference between between three terms. Reputation, personality, and character. Yeah, there's a huge difference between the three. Yes, and 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 you will find that Subhanallah, people like people always focus on reputation and personality, and the reason is, as you just mentioned, like the effort that they exert is that little, and the result is immediate. And if you want to understand this, as you beautifully put it. Like, look at the politicians at the times of elections. You know, if they take a, a picture with a with a with a homeless guy or like an orphan, and it makes it to the front like page or to the main story in the TV, and then the guy yes. got the job. So they they are trying to create an image in yes. minds of people. This is not who they are truly in life, as you said. It's just like one aspect. I'm just like try to portray that image in the minds of people. But this is not me. But behind the scenes, like, you know, I'm the worst person on earth when it comes to my language, to my behavior, you know, same thing, subhanAllah, with, 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 with like personality. Personality means like the way you present yourself to people, like it could be the way you're dressed, the way your haircut is like, you know, today they have like courses in the, in, in the university saying, let's enhance your personality for you. Let's enhance your even smile for you. Yes. So again, personality is not who you are. It's not in, in reality like who you are. So people focus on these two things. And sometimes, subhanAllah, as, as you earlier like mentioned, there could be a good person, but they have a very bad reputation. And there could be the, yes. the, the worst tyrant and the worst dictator in the world. But they're always trying to use the media to create like another image of themselves in front of people. So look, for example, the Prophet وسلم, like what, what, what did the media do at his time? They called him a liar, that. Yes. A poet, you know, like a magician. So this was his reputation amongst his own people. But subhanAllah, it's the same people like who trust no one because they know his own character with their precious belongings except his house. And that's why he left Ali, not only as a camouflage when he immigrated, but literally, the, the, the main mission of Ali was, Ali, stay behind to give the people their belongings. SubhanAllah. He said, why, Prophet of Allah? Like, you know, like, think about this. Somebody's forcing me out of my own land. I can just yeah. say, Man, this is your, your, like, you know, just be vindicative. Like, this is your golden chance to revenge. No. He said, Ali, we, again, that's what you're talking about, character. He said, we tell people and we teach people, Adil amana liman Give the trust to those who trusted you with. 
ولا تخن من خانك and don't betray those who betray you so we're going to act upon our values and principles this way the prophet yeah. him behind so when it comes to good character and this is this is very important and that's not that's what not what people should take out of this you know like circumstances that we are living now try to work on your character not on your reputation nor on your personality because character you, you know what i feel sheikh like the when a lot of people when they do things insincerely it's for a worldly gain and we should appreciate that's a temporary gain you know but i feel the people you recognize in history so their reputation lasts generations are people who are truly sincere so maybe in your lifetime you can develop a reputation by doing things insincerely but it doesn't stand the test of time you know so for example Malcolm X is once quoted as saying that uh, I want to be remembered as somebody who was sincere. And he has also said at one time that my only qualification is sincerity. And you look at like here is a person uh it's not like he was very wealthy uh, uh you know he 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 uh necessarily um you know had a lot of worldly gains and so forth uh or he made like uh you know political uh uh you know like he had political power or something like that he had he had a certain type a different type of political power one could say but he's remembered he's remembered as being why for his authenticity he was real he wasn't a fake person you know and it's his legacy has lasted the test of time same thing with you know if you look back at any of the luminaries of the past it's lasted the test of time because they were truly sincere maybe at that time they were kings like for example during the time of salahuddin ayubi right there was a um khalifa who was known as malik an-nasir so he uh he, he was given that title uh the same title that actually salahuddin was given as well an-nasir like you know the victorious yet nobody can remember who the the khalifa was at that time but they'll remember salahuddin ayubi and salahuddin ayubi died very poor like he didn't die a very wealthy person he died at very modest means but the sincerity lasted the test of time and so then even the non muslims looked up to somebody like salahuddin ayubi right uh the muslim generation as well so i find it very you know i don't know how people function because there is when you, when you when you portray yourself to be different than who you are how do people sheikh like live with themselves how do they live with that duality because i would feel that that's not a easy life to live to live in that dual state you know where you're trying to show something or you're doing these acts but in your own life you know what i mean like you're 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 very very different like i remember uh there was uh there's a there's an uncle in the community and um you know you know you could say that he he seemed to not be very fond of me maybe maybe that's the best way to put it and you could tell like any time i try to go to him and approach him hug him like shake his hand or hug him he's like there's like this this tenseness right even though i'm just i have no idea i'm just trying to break the tension is is everything okay 
And uh, you could just – and it's very different than what he says like maybe in the member or where he says in public like, oh, if you need anything from me, even if you need to put your hand in my pocket to take money, you can take the money. Like this is how dramatic he is. And then when you just go to shake and hug, it's like kind of like, you know, this, you know, this rigid state. I'm like, man, why are you holding something in your heart? Like say it. Say what you got to say, you know. But how do people live like that, Sheikh? How do people live with that duality? I would say it's like it's fun like they feel so bad inside and like this is this is in itself like is a punishment because when 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 they go home they know between themselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you know this is not right, this is not good. So this in itself is a punishment for them. And I would like also um, to add uh, two things to what you mentioned earlier about like these people when 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 they do what they do, like it's a reminder for us and it's a lesson for us as, as, as Muslims uh, to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in a long Qudsi hadith, He said, Ya ibadi, and here illa a'malukum. That's towards the end of the hadith. All my slaves, I just keep a record of your deeds. If you find something good in that record, be grateful to Allah. He didn't say thank yourself. Because as you mentioned earlier, like what did he do? You saw something and then you, you shed some tears. Allah gave you the eyes, Allah gave you the tears. Allah gave you that heart that would feel so bad so you shed the tears. And this is the reason for your eyes not to be touched by hellfire. You give somebody some money, Allah brought you to life. He gave you the job, he gave you the knowledge, he gave you the money. So if you attribute anything, it has to be attributed back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to you. So he said, if you find anything good, be grateful to Allah. Thank Allah. If you find something other than good, which is bad, blame no one except yourself. Because you didn't your own free will. Those people, they know that they're making the wrong choice. These people, they are, you know, like sacrificing like, like the akhirah for this dunya, as you mentioned earlier. Like this dunya is nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as you mentioned in ayah 185 in Surah Al-Imran, Allah ended the ayah by, by like you know by saying this life is nothing but delusion and yeah, and yeah. look at the name أخي, like look at the name itself Allah always talks about so a dunya stems in in Arabic you know from two roots when you when you call something dani it means it's worthless it's worth nothing you know when you say a zero a zero is worth nothing right so, yeah, yeah. and the Prophet ﷺ confirmed this by saying, you know, لو كانت الدنيا تساوي عند الله جناح بعوضها ما سقى منها كافر شربة ماء. If this worldly life is equal, you know, to in the sight of Allah, to a wing of a mosquito or a fly, Allah wouldn't give a disbeliever a sip of water. And the other, like the other root of the word dunya is دنو الأجل, meaning it's short. So, you know, how long would you live? The Prophet ﷺ said. The average span of life of my ummah is between 60 to 70. Very few people who live beyond that. And look at the quality of their life beyond that. The second part that you mentioned also, which like, you know, subhanAllah is confirmed by the Prophet is the fact that it's not ever in the Quran mentioned I said it the wrong way. So the people, I would, I want, I want to know whether they are used to the right one or not. Allah would never say Allah will always say Ahsanu Amala. 
And the difference is the first one, Akhru Amala, is talking about the quantity. And Ahsan Amala is talking about the quality. And the quality, the, the, the scholar said, Ibn Taymiyyah said, you know, if you describe something as being a good deed, two conditions. Number one, you do it only for the sake of Allah. So again, again going back to sincerity. And the second one yes. is to do with the way of the Prophet. This is why the Prophet told us in the hadith. There was a man in Bani Israel during the time of Musa children of Israel. And that man obeyed Allah for 500 years. He never made one mistake. And then when his time came and he died and the angels of mercy are taking, you know, him to, you know, to paradise. And they said to him, enter Jannah because of the grace and the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, no, no, I'll go there because I have worshipped Allah. I have enslaved myself to Allah for 500 years. And I think this should be enough for me to enter Jannah. So they said, no, the instructions we have, you know, nobody will make it except, as you mentioned in the hadith, like Aisha radiallahu anha, when the Prophet said, لا يدخل الجنة أحد بعمله. Nobody will make it because of their deeds. إلا أن يتغمده الله برحمته. Unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala engulfs him, with his, you know, mercy and bounty. So at that point, this, the, the, the angels went back to Allah. They said, Ya Allah, like this slave, he wants to go to Jannah because of his deeds. Allah said, Yuridu adli la fadli. He wants me to treat him with justice, not out of mercy and bounty. Okay, fair enough. Bring his 500 years of obedience put them on one side of the scale and put just one of my blessings on the other side of the scale, the eyesight. One blessing only. And then, you know, the eyesight would outweigh 500 years of good deeds. So Allah is going to say, you see, your 500 years are not enough to be grateful for just your eyes. Take him to hellfire. So while he was walking to hellfire, he's looking back at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah knows, but for teaching us, he said, why are you looking at me? He said, Ma النار, ya He said, Ya Allah, I don't think you're going to throw me in hellfire. Then Allah says, take him to paradise. Not because of the 500 years, but because he thinks good of me. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ taught us. He said, think good of Allah, Allah will give you that. You know, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you coming on the podcast and it's always a pleasure uh, spending time with you. Uh, we have many years, alhamdulillah, of uh, stories and experiences being in the trenches of da'wah. And I always, I, I'm transported to a beautiful place every time I hear your recitation of the Qur'an. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and preserve you and keep you on the haqq. And uh, inshallah, we'll get you on some future episodes as well. Uh, we're going to have um, maybe a bonus episode on Saturday at 2 p.m. So uh, for all the viewers, uh, stay tuned uh, for that. Subscribe to the channel so you can get regular alerts. But we may have a bonus episode where we'll have somebody from public health who is actually in the midst of this crisis uh, researching all the models and seeing the effect that's happening on the population. And he might have some good insight for us uh, to benefit from uh, when they're saying that it may peak 
and what are what are some of the inside information that they're saying um, it's happening, trending, uh, you know, specifically, uh, you know, within the province of Alberta, but also maybe within some of the other provinces here as well and Canada wide. So, inshallah, if we can get his uh, insight on that, that would be great. And we might be touching base with a few other experts uh, on that episode or during the course of the week. And of course, um, we're here every Thursday night uh, on uh, on live as well. So a few great episodes coming up, and we're going to give some more tips, inshallah. So we want to give uh, more information, how we can boost our immunity. We talked about the prevention. We talk about avoiding uh, that attachment and, you know, just even getting close to that virus. What are some of the surfaces? Uh, so we talked a, a, a few points about that. So inshallah, we're going to continue this conversation and discussion and we're going to try to uh, put forth good quality content, inshallah. Uh, and um, it, as always, if there's any suggestions or whatnot, you can always contact us uh, through our social media channels. Once again, we thank uh, Dr. Rida Badir. And remember, everyone, uh, we want to stay on the haq. And so that's why we want to live life haq. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.